0: I'm Adam Menes, And I'm Peter Martin. And you're listening to the You'll Hear It podcast. Today we're going to talk about five tips to becoming a better arranger. Now, what are we arranging? Music, flowers, weddings? What are we talking about? You're here? definitely arranging music because I've tried to arrange Flowers once, and my wife said, you're not allowed to ever touch the flowers ever again. (laughs) That's good. What about like arranging something else that the mafia might
1: arrange? Can we even talk about that? Arranging a hit?
0: No, dude, that's totally confidential. I can't believe you even brought that up. Let's edit that out. Okay, edit that out. Thanks.
1: (laughs) Okay, so five tips to becoming a better arranger. Why don't you kick it off
0: with number one, Adam? So the first things that we want to talk about are three things. Voicings and voicings and voicings. So this must be important. You've said it three times. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So I mean, really, one of the most important things you can do to help your arranging is to study voicings, to understand how to voice harmony under melody. This is like the the baby steps of arranging, right? I mean, pianists are naturally kind of inclined towards arranging because we do this on our instrument every day. I mean, it's part of being a pianist. And I think that's why you see so many pianists go into arranging. Um, and, and that said, if you don't play piano and you want to get into arranging, take a little piano because right. it, it definitely helps with that. But what you want to know about is, is how to voice chords, you know, whether that's open voicings, closed voicings, how to, how to balance a chord amongst multiple instruments. You know, sometimes you, if you only have three notes in a chord, if you're playing a triad but you have six voices, what do you put on what? You know, um, there, there, are, there are things to know. So what you really want to study is voicings and how to orchestrate that harmony underneath a melody. Right, and if you're not
1: a, a pianist, don't think that you have to become an accomplished, um, you know, technically astute pianist in order to be able to benefit from playing and understanding voicings for arranging. You yeah. can get a very rudimentary um, a a view of the instrument and and handle on the instrument to be able to play these voicings and most importantly be able to move them voice leading start to understand and start to hear how that works by just sitting at the piano and that's so important um, for the arrangement process that's so true right so the next tip we have is to study a variety of instruments how they work how they blend with each other and so this is sort of the opposite for pianists you know we might know the voicings and we might know what these instruments sound like, but we have to really start to understand how they blend together. We can't just take great voicings at the piano and throw them and explode them at a saxophone section or a woodwind section and expect that to be a good arrangement. We have to really understand you know, much deeper than just what is the range of each of these instruments, but how are they played, what kind of sound can they produce, what kind of intervals work for them, what register do they play out of tune in, what, You know what... What leaps just don't quite work? Where can they play pianissimo? Where can they play forte? And then how do they blend with the other instruments? Because then if we start to understand that, we can take these voicings that we know at the piano can work and apply them to the correct instrument.
0: Matt, I think this is a very underutilized point in jazz that it's not just about notes on the page, that not every instrument should play everything. I mean, of course, any instrument can play any part of the chord or whatever, but knowing where the strengths lie and the ranges... And that's super important for, for getting good, like powerful sounding arrangements. Right, and if we think about, you know, a lot of times we'll take certain voicings in the kind
1: of middle register of the piano, right around middle C, closed vo- you know, close in voicing, close voicings, uh, five note, four or five note voicings, and apply them to a saxophone section. And that can work really well, but you have to understand that the difference between an alto saxophone and a bari saxophone and what the range is, um, with those close voicings you 're going to be at the top of the range of a berry or towards the top of the range of a berry where you 're more towards the bottom range on an alto, so it 's a different kind of a sound you know right. it 's not th- just you 're throwing them notes on a page
0: yeah it 's a whole different timbre in those in those ranges so yep. that's very important so our third thing is to listen to great arrangers. This should be self evident because if i mean if you want to be a good player, you listen to good players right it 's the same thing um, so you know Duke Ellington is obviously the master that we all. Have sprung from in this, in this genre of jazz arranging. But check out Charles Mingus, Gil Evans, Nelson Riddle, Thad Jones, Charles Tolliver, Gil Goldstein, Maria Schneider, Terrence Blanchard. I mean, there's a long list. Um, we're so lucky in this music that we have all these great improvisers, but we really also have just an abundance of great composers and arrangers that have, have worked in jazz. You know. Yeah, and I think that that one one thing
1: we can think about too is as we study these arrangements, looking at the scores, listening to the recordings, is that we're looking for specific techniques they use. Um, you know, not only in how they apply the notes, but how they take other people's music. Because if they're arranging somebody else's music, you know, they're using certain concepts on how they're going to apply their techniques to someone else's music so that can be very instructive to us as arrangers as you know like how are we going to you know be influenced by these other arrangers, but put our own thing on somebody else's music as well totally so that brings us to tip number four and i would say you know all those great jazz arrangers you just mentioned are wonderful but we can even go more foundational uh to work on our arrangement and that is to go straight to the source of js bach and really study the way that he would arrange out, you know, and we could think about it certainly as instruments. I mean, he was a great arranger of instruments, but, but now we're getting back to just, like, voice leading and arranging certain parts and how things move irregardless of the instrument, because I believe... When Bach was composing, correct me if I'm wrong, Sir Adam, mm-hmm. but I don't think the saxophone even existed at that not, time. It did not, no. I, right. I think
0: the man who invented the saxophone is still a <laughs> twinkle in his father's eye. That's
1: right, his yeah. French French father's eyes. But the thing about that is it's not to say that we can't use concepts in voice leading and counterpoint that we learn from Bach and studying his parts and counterpoint. Um, and apply them to saxophone sections even though the instrument didn't, didn't exist because it's the same thing, lyricism and you know, melodic movement, counterpoint, harmony, all those kind of movements work the same on a very foundational level and there's, there's no better um, composer and arranger to go to
0: than Bach to learn those. He is by far the best at that. And you know, I almost think of counterpoint as like voicings 2.0, right? This is like next level voicings. So it's like if you're a pianist, you can, you can just kind of plunk your hands down on voicings that you know or whatever, but it's that next level of, you know, when you go to the next chord, what is the voice leading between those voicings from the previous chord that makes, you know, that separates great pianists from, from mediocre pianists. It's the same thing with, and it's probably even more important when you're arranging different instruments, of thinking about voices individually when they move from one chord to the next, you know, and learning about that through Bach um, four-part chorale writing, I think, is the easiest way to see it. You know, you can kind right. of see and hear how these voice, voices move. You know, there are all these rules, right, of counterpoint, and you can actually hear them in Bach's writing. And, uh, and you've got the vertical, and you've got the horizontal. Exactly. And you can just see it, you can hear it, it's all right there. It makes a lot of sense, so definitely check that out. All right, our last point for this is five tips to becoming a better arranger, um, and that is to collect sounds. What do I mean by collect sounds? I mean, just kind of like how if you're a player, you collect licks or voicings or whatever that you like. You know, when I arrange, I have um, sort of a stable of sounds that I know I can get on the page um, with, with a, you know, a different groups of instruments, and I kind of have them always in my back pocket. You know, I was just doing this thing this weekend, and I was thinking about what do I want to do on this last course, and I was like, oh, I'm going to do that thing that I've done this time and this time and this time. I know it works really well. I know it, like... Is going to get you know the audience exactly where I want them to be, so remember that you know if you if you write something you like keep it. I mean you're going to anyway, right? But in the back pocket is that where you recommend keeping it always? Oh well, <laughs> front pocket if you're traveling throughout Europe on the trains. <laughs> that's
1: right, right, right. Now that's 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 a great point because I think these you know collecting these sounds, these techniques, these these um, um, little trademarks of, of are really our personalization that we put on the arrangement, because we can't forget that, yeah, we're arranging somebody else's music or a standard or something that already
0: exists, but we're putting our little stamp on it and it can be personalized. Yeah, you know, the easiest way to find sounds is to steal other people's sounds first. That's right. To understand why their arrangement sounds like that. Steal that, make it your own. Classic rearrangement. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Well, you'll hear it. thanks for listening to this episode of the You'll Hear It podcast. You can go to youllhearit.com to get more information, submit a question, or just say hello. Well, you can do that. Absolutely. All right. And if you like what you heard, please leave a review and a rating below.
1: Thanks.